my God, um, I can't even tell you how young I was. Um, I've always, I've always liked speed. Like I've always liked airplanes, I've always liked rocket ships, I've always liked motorcycles, race cars, I, I can't. And your father was okay with that? He let you ride? I don't think he was okay with that at all. So no. how, did, how did you start to ride bikes at the beginning? Oh, neighbors had, neighbors had motorcycles. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming here. Even though we did spend five days together riding around Hokkaido. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Tell me, where were you born? Uh, Honolulu. Honolulu? Yeah. You told me you have an older sister. Yeah. She's two years older? Four years older. Four years older. Yeah. And you guys are really close. Now we are. Okay. You were when you were growing up? No. Okay. We're Mom like and dad are doing okay? Uh, dad passed a year ago. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And mom's in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. She's uh, she's 82 this year, right. and she is the mayor of her little condominium complex. Is I say I say mayor. She's the social mayor of her little. Okay. Yeah. So she's doing just fine. She's gonna see this, so you might want to say hello. <laughs> this is your camera, so you can say hello to mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and your sister too, because I mean, since you guys are tight now. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what was like for you growing up in Hawaii? Did you grow up in Hawaii? Did not grow up in Hawaii. Okay, My well. father was out there for a number of years doing research um, for his masters, mm -hmm. um, and roughly six months after I was born out there, he got off the island for the last time. Okay. <laughs> He he told my mother. He said every time they leave the island, he has just a little bit left, a little bit less in the bank account. Okay. So he said he had one more trip off the island, <laughs> and he packed us all up and moved uh, back to Connecticut. Okay. So you grew up yeah. in Connecticut. So after that, we were there for four years, maybe three years, four years, and my father got a job with the federal government, okay. and he retired from the federal government. So we moved to D.C. So I grew up in North, Northern Virginia. Right. Northern Virginia. Yeah, right, right outside, right outside DC. What did your father do? Okay. He worked for. Uh, he retired as the director of the Veterans Administration. Okay. So he had the highest post you could get without being elected in. Wow. So he was. Um, he after the '89 Loma Prieta quake, he moved out to California to go rebuild the uh, Veterans Hospital in in Palo Alto. Um, when I grew up, on one side of us we had horse farms. We had you know, it was country. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of us, you know, was downtown DC, mm -hmm. right? So um, for the longest time, I thought museums were free because we would go to the mall, the National Mall, and the Smithsonian is there. Pick a museum and you just kind of walk in, right? Because mm -hmm. it's all taxpayer dollars and the rest mm -hmm. of that. But that was my backyard, right? So on mm -hmm. one side, you know, one day I'm riding horses, you know, through the woods with my buds and the next day we're, you know, downtown DC and we're walking through the Air and Space Museum. Yeah. You know, and so it was fun. So going through school, did you have any particular were you more academic or were you more <laughs> I was not academic at all. Sports minded. Uh, I was very highly social. Okay. Um, I played a lot of soccer as a kid. Um, uh, did a lot of different things. Um, I had four jobs to try and pay for it all. <laughs> what would you do? Like what? Um, get up early in the morning and deliver papers. Okay. Had over 300 houses, delivered the Washington Post. How old were you when you started doing this? Uh, I probably was 13 or 14 when I started delivering papers. Now, why did you, you say you had a lot of things you had to take care of? I had a lot of stuff to fund. Um, I played in a band, okay. so I had a lot of 
um, equipment. Okay, what instrument? Uh, keyboards and oh. backup guitar. Okay. So I had, you know, amplifiers and keyboards and, you know, you're always wanting the next mm -hmm. best thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my father, was a quick side story, um, okay. he didn't speak to me for a couple of days and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I asked my mom, I said, hey, what's up with dad? Why is he like ignoring me and not paying attention to me? How old are you now? I'm probably 17. Okay, okay. And she stopped and she looked at me and she says, you have five cars parked in front of our house. <laughs> she yeah. said, you need to get rid of something. This is not a used car lot. <laughs> so dad was like pissed. I, was, I just kept buying cars and parking them out front. <laughs> and you and your sister weren't close during this time? Um, we started to get close as I uh, uh, got towards graduating mm -hmm. high school. Mm -hmm. And we started to, to come together mm -hmm. um, and hang out. But So you had the paper route? I deliver papers. Um, I worked at a Ford dealership after school. Um, I started out sweeping floors. I wanted to know how to work on cars, so I got a job sweeping floors and just went from there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I worked at uh, Jerry's Ford in, in Arlington, Virginia, and then I drove for Domino's Pizza um, at, at night. Drove what for Domino's. Cars? Um, in one of my five cars, gas guzzling five cars. Um, gas was cheap back then. It was. Um, and then I, from, from when I was younger, I had a number of homes in the neighborhood whose lawns I took care of. Um, so I kept doing that as well. I mean, that was highly lucrative. And that's the reason why, but your father wasn't a disciplinarian, was he? Um, he, he could be strong. Okay, right. okay. <laughs> but it took a lot for him to become that way. Yeah. Okay, mostly. I'm Co just couple of couple of gimlets. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you you and your so your father, in the position he was, he was more like an academic, wasn't he? He was an academic. He was a okay. scholar. We had uh, right. science. The journal right. um, came to the house a lot. Um, he was uh, always talking to me about academics. Mm -hmm. Always talking to me about you know studying more and playing less. <laughs> Did he have a big family? Did he come from a big uh, My father was adopted. Okay. Uh, my father knew his mother, his birth mother, um, when he was very young. Um, and he bounced from foster home to foster home until he was about six. Um, when, when, my, when, when Grandpa John Thomas uh, finally said I've had enough and adopted him. He watched him get adopted by you know, many different foster parents, and okay. finally it was just like, you know, this kid's going to grow up a mess, so. So he gave him his name, he adopted and gave him so his name, Thomas. John Thomas stepped in and adopted my father, yeah. Right. And your mother, what about her background? How'd she grow up? My mother grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. Um, she grew up there. Uh, her mother worked at Trinity. She was in, she worked for one of the, the main offices at Trinity, which is how my father met Dora, my grandmother, and then met my mother, because my father went to Trinity in Hartford. Okay. So that's how those two met. Is that right? Okay. And my mother had a 57 Chevy two-door, and she sold it because the carburetor was messed up on it or something. And then, it got a, and then it got a flat tire, and she thought, oh, this car's a lemon, so she sold it. 
And I learned of this, you know, as I'm like 17 and I've got five cars at the house and I'm trying right. to be a mechanic. And, and then like, the 57 Chevy. No. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me, Mom? That was the one. That was the that one. That was the one. That, that was the one that to have. That car would run for everything. That was the one to have. And the gas tank was right on one of the fins and you flipped it open. Oh put the God. gas in. You remember that? I don't remember. That's how it did. I even went I, to the gas station. So all of them, during the 50s, they made it so you had to find where the gas tank was. It'd be sometimes <laughs> behind the... The, the license plate. I remember the, under the license sometimes plate. Sometimes you had to slide. Sometimes you had to twist uh, the emblem up. So tell me, so you said you weren't very academic. You didn't do that bad in school. Um, I didn't. Um, so there's a long story to that, and I thank my wife. Um, my first time through school, um, again, I was playing in a band, and I was playing soccer, and I was on the ski team, and I had a whole lot... I was racing bikes and I just had a whole lot to do that wasn't school. Okay. So I went in 87 as an aeronautical engineer and I quickly realized that that takes a lot of studying. That's really hard. Um, that takes a lot of effort um, and I've got a whole lot to do that's not studying. Um, so I, um, I changed to the uh, uh, College of Arts and Architecture and I got, a, uh, got out with a graphic design degree. Um, so I learned, learned how to be a mechanic when I was a kid, learned how to build homes when I was a kid. Um, my father always had a computer in the house, and I did an awful lot of coding as a kid, um, playing with computers. So after school, went back to uh, my sister's house in Northern Virginia um, to save up some money, and I think I'd been west of the Mississippi once in Minnesota as a kid, and I was born in Hawaii, so twice. Um, but I'd never been like outside of, you know, the East Coast. Okay. All I wanted to do was get to California. So I lived in Northern Virginia, um, got a room, got a townhouse, shared it with some, with some people, um, and uh, moved to California. Um, and I walked the streets for five days in Santa Cruz, California, trying to find a job. Walked on to construction sites, I walked everywhere I could trying to get someone to hire me, because um, I wanted to live in Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. Um, Midas on Ocean Street had a help wanted sign in the window and I walked in and I said I'm your guy. <laughs> Midas Mufflers. Midas Mufflers. Um, I'd worked at Midas for three years in Penn State okay. um, while I was a student there. Um, so I knew the systems, I knew the computers, I knew how everything worked. I was college educated. Um, it was not hard to get them to hire me. Okay. Um, so um, started out, uh, had a house in Capitola, rented a house in Capitola, rode my bicycle to Midas still every day. Now. Still single. Okay. Had you met your wife yet? No. Okay. But uh, rode my bike to work every day, my bicycle, mm -hmm. until I could afford to buy a motorcycle. Right. right, <laughs> right? right, right. Like I mean, all that, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, that's so I met a guy. I started playing soccer in Santa Cruz, and I met. A gentleman who became the best man at my wedding. Um, he was president of Aladdin Systems. Uh, if you remember the old Macintoshes, there was a compression program called Stuff It. Okay. Yes. So um, he I worked at he worked at Stuff It. He was one of the five founders of the company, and uh, he he hounded me for months and months and months and months to come work for him. Were you guys around the same age? We're, we're around the same age. Same age, okay. So he was an engineer. He was a computer science major. Mm -hmm. um, and he and I played soccer together, and he must have seen something in me that I didn't. Um, but I got fed up with the job I was in. I quit. I called Wait, him. Midas? 
Well, so I did walk out of Midas. That's, a, that's another story. <laughs> I pushed my toolbox down the street to a phone booth, my big, huge, bloody toolbox, and I called my neighbor who had a pickup truck, and I said, you have to come and get me right now. Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back to one more thing that I remember <laughs> you, you did. When you were in the third grade, third grade, you're in D.C., you're at school yeah. in Virginia. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> they were getting ready to have um, a tuck and, tuck and cover drill. Every Wednesday at noon, the air raid sirens would go off. Now, how old were you now at this time? You were Third seven, grade, seven, so what's that, eight seven, years old? Eight years old. Seven or eight. Right. So tell me what happened. <laughs> tell, just tell us. You tell your story. So, so you know, we lived in Northern Virginia. Right. I want to say it was eight miles is the number I have in my head. Okay. Uh, it was eight miles from Ground Zero, which is the little cafe in the middle of the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the open area in the middle. They call it Ground Zero Cafe, I think. I think that's what I read. Anyways. Because the, the assumption is if the missiles are fired, they're going to make sure they... That's they're, putting the one, they're putting one on the Pentagon. They're putting one on the Pentagon. You, you know no one's, you know one's going to go down, right? Yeah, right. right. Um, so I think the fireball, I, again, this is all stuff that I read and learned years ago, and, and my brain isn't what it used to be, but I think the initial fireball is something like, I don't know, 14 or 16 mile radius of of the initial fireball, right? right? So so living in Northern Virginia, I was acutely aware of the fact in the middle of the Cold War that I was in fireball zone and I was good with that. Like, because I don't want to be around if, you know, the nuclear bombs go off and, you know, I don't want to be maimed and, you know, live disabled and or whatever, right? Like, I I don't want to have radiation poisoning. I don't want to, like, die because my, my, I can't, it's you know, assimilate food anymore right, and exactly. I starve to death or I just, just get it over with. And I was fine with that. And then I had come to terms with that as, as a kid. So the air raid sirens go off every Wednesday at noon and we're all supposed to get under our desks. And I think to myself, that desk isn't going to do anything but imprint itself onto my back. <laughs> so why am I even pretending? <laughs> and you just sat there. So I sat there. I think we were doing work or something. I remember I had a pencil in my hand and paper, and I was probably doodling. I probably was not doing the work I was supposed to be. And, uh, and the teacher asked me, she goes, you know, Peter, you need to get under your desk. And I just looked at her and said, why? <laughs> that fireball goes off. Right? Zero ground zero. I'm, I'm done. That desk isn't going to do anything. And they just left you alone. And she just left me alone. She's like... She had no argument for that. <laughs> You're right. For, for a kid, eight years old, to be able to... Mrs. Baxter. Really, that's interesting. Mrs. Baxter, that's who it was. She might still be around. She might see this someday. <laughs> go, I remember that, Peter. I remember that kid. I remember that little, that little that troublemaker. Little he just, that was the only thing he wouldn't do. <laughs> that's interesting. When did you get your interest in motorcycles? How old were you when you decided... Oh, my God. Um, I can't even tell you how young I was. Um, I've always... I've always liked speed. Like I've always liked airplanes. I've always liked rocket ships. I've always liked motorcycles, race cars. I, I can't. And your father was okay with that. He let you. Ride. I don't think he was okay with that at all. So no. how, did, how did you start to ride bikes at the beginning? Well, neighbors had neighbors had motorcycles. <laughs> neighbors had garages. I could park motorcycles inside of. <laughs> so yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, our neighbors, the Munozes, had. He had a YZ250, which is a two-stroke Yamaha, it, black and yellow, 
and the thing was a it was a widow maker. I mean, it was just the fastest thing on two wheels at the time. It was, Did you write it? Was, it? Was, of course, I wrote it. <laughs> of course, I wrote it. Um, we had it was Northern Virginia. It was starting to sprawl, so there was a lot of you know knocking down of forests and building of you know track homes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of areas that were you know kind of bulldozed out and dirty and muddy and and you just you brought dirt bikes in and you just tore the tore it up. So. And you did all that, so you went up the hill. Well, so I played on other people's bikes, yeah. Right, 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 right. But I made myself at one point go to a riding school to learn what to look out for. Right, okay. And when I did that, I thought to myself, back, looked, looking back on how I got to where I was, I was lucky to be where, where, I, you was, are now, where yeah. I was. That's right. right? And I... I don't want my children to not know how to do things because I'm afraid of them, right? My father was afraid of of things. My father lost his cousin uh, on a motorcycle, I think when he was 18 in the Green Mountains in Vermont. Mm -hmm. Um, So he, you know, strictly forbade me from ever getting on a bike. If you ever want your kid to do something, forbid them from doing it and they will go and do it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so it was... uh, so I learned how to do things wrong. Oh, I made myself go to school and learn how to do them correctly. Mm-hmm. And I wanted my kids to learn, which is why I took them to Shidoki okay. to go teach them how to, how to ride. Okay. Right. I was playing soccer when I was 16. We were killing this team, absolutely shredding them. I was center half. My job was to pick up the goal kicks. Mm-hmm. So literally, they were kicking the balls out of the goal. We were collecting them. So, you know, a nice chest trap or something, drop it to your feet and volley it right back at the goal again. So if it didn't go in the net, it was a goal kick. And we were just sitting there doing this. And and the other team was very frustrated. Um, One of the fullbacks came running at me at a goal kick. I got the ball. I turned my back to him to shield the ball. And he just put his shoulder down and went right into my back. And I shredded, like, all the muscles on the side of my neck. And I've been really sensitive about my neck ever since then. How old were you at this time? I was probably 16. 16, okay. So I was riding my skateboard one day, and I fell to my knees, and like all of these muscles just kind of went, like seized up again. And this was probably like, you know, a few months after this happened, or maybe six months after. But my neck has always been sensitive, so I've never really stretched it. I've never really kind of pushed it to its limit. I've never done, I've always been really careful with my neck. uh, and I don't like people touching me. Okay. Um, so I don't like massages. I don't, you know, oh, I, see. Okay. I don't, whatever. Which you really need. Which I really need. And this girl, she found this mass of muscle in my back that was tight as a rock, and she friggin' worked on it and worked on it. I've seen her twice now, and I'm moving my neck in ways I've never moved it before. Smart, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, why did I live for, you know, 30 years or 40 years, yeah. 35 years with, you know, Neck you pain. Need, you need, don't go to a chiropractor. Yeah. Don't do that. You can get really messed up. This is PT. I mean, they took x-rays to make sure, you know, everything was where it was supposed to be. She identified, they identified a couple of issues that I need to work on, and she's helping me with stretches and that kind of uh-huh. stuff, so. Well, you did okay on the trip. I mean, I mean, we're watching you. You were flying all over the way through the tunnels and everything. Jeez. <laughs> bike blasting, there's pipes all Those over tunnels the tunnels are it's scary, fantastic. man. And you'd be at the end of the tunnel, I'd be at the other end, and I could hear you go, and I go, my goodness. Well, they make tunnels for a reason. Yeah. To downshift. I'll tell you. (laughs) 
Your bike does have a good sound, though. I like Thank the you. sound. It's a good sounding. Thank you. So, okay, so you finished college. You finished all of your adventures while you were in Virginia. Mm -hmm. What did you do after that? Um, when, you, when you went to California, went to Santa to Cruz, yeah, worked, yeah, it, worked, worked at Aladdin Systems for right. 10 years. Right. Um, kind of rode that bubble of you know the, the rising tech industry, right? right, right. I've been writing code as a kid, um, so it came kind of natural to me. I wasn't awesome at writing code, but I could do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I became a, a project manager, a program manager mm -hmm. um, for the company, which was really fun. Um, I got to do a lot of traveling, came to Tokyo in 96, I think it was, 95 or 96 to do a press tour, like a 16-day press tour. So it was really fun, it was a fun time, living in Santa Cruz, riding motorcycles, Laguna Seca's right in your backyard, learned how to fly an airplane. Um, like it's just, it was a really fun time to be in that industry, uh, in that location, right? Everything was kind of blowing up around you, right? It was just, it was amazing to see things. Um, and that's when I met my, my wife. I was on a business trip to Boston and I met her through a mutual friend. Um, and turns out she grew up in the town that my, my mother's from. So I think, you know, being socialized the same, mm -hmm. I think it was easy for us to talk to each other and get to know each other quickly. Um, she was in Boston, I was in Santa Cruz. Um, I lost the race to mediocrity in one phone call. She was a director of HR at Fleet Bank in Boston. And I thought, this is awesome. I'm gonna move to Boston, I'm gonna court this woman and hopefully, you know, win, win her over. Um, so we were on the phone one day and I said to her, trying to be romantic, I would load bags at Logan to be in the same town as you. Logan's the airport there. Yeah. And uh, what she heard was, I wanna be a baggage handler. And she yeah, said, hell, for her. She said hell no. Like, yeah. <laughs> And I was in the tech industry, which was blowing up at the time, and she's like, and she hated her job. She's like, screw it, I'm out. She's like, I'm moving to Santa Cruz. <laughs> I was like, really? So, wow. yeah, it was super fun. That's it was neat. super fun. That's neat. That's the, other, the other fun side story for me, for me it was fun, me. Um, we were leaving on a Sunday, I think. She was leaving on a Sunday to move to Santa Cruz. I flew out on like a Wednesday night or a Thursday to help her pack, to help her get ready and stuff. And you know, she had a couple of going away parties and all that stuff. And so I walk into the apartment Wednesday night, Thursday, I forget what day it was, but I walk into the apartment and it looks like exactly how it's always looked. And I thought, interesting, you got, you got some boxes? You got, you packing up? Like, what are you, are you moving to Santa Cruz? <laughs> I think she was in a little state of denial and, okay. and hadn't done anything, hadn't prepped anything. And I thought, are you really moving to Santa Cruz? There's no freaking moving boxes in here. Like, but, but she what was, did. What was the deal? But she did. What was the deal? I think she was just in denial. She was working. I don't know. I don't know. She'll, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to ask her what she was okay. thinking. You'll have to ask her when you, get, when you interview her. She did get her. packed, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think I packed her up. Okay. I think she went and got the boxes and I did all the packing. <laughs> so how long, how long have you been married now? Uh, 23 years this 23 October. Years. And how long were you married before you decided to have kids? Or did you have them right away? She wanted kids. Um, I, I, w I am a kid. So, so I was enough, right? Like, I was enough, right? But uh, she's uh, very persuasive. Um, and I gotta say that my children are, are one of my biggest blessings. That's beautiful. 
I love them so much. Yeah. And I cannot imagine a life without them in it. And I, and I owe that to my wife. There you go. I, I owe what I'm doing today to my wife. Yeah. And your, your, your daughter's the oldest? I have a uh, daughter uh, who's 20. She's at George Washington right. University in D.C. Right. She's living in Georgetown. I am completely jealous of her life. Um, <laughs> my oldest son is at San Luis Obispo, How Cal Poly. He, he? He's, he's 18. 18, okay. He's, um, so and then I have a younger son. We have three. Oh, you have three. Okay. We have three, and then I have a younger son um, okay. who's at ASIJ. He's a rising okay. junior. Okay. So he's the one that we were motocrossing with when I threw the bike. Is he the one that's really tall too? Uh, my he's he's taller than my wife, but he's not the really tall one. The really tall ones. The really tall ones at San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly. What is he? Six four. Nate, and he's six four plus. I don't even know. I can't even get up there to read it anymore. Um, but he can he can almost hit his head on the rim. He can windmill. He can he loves playing basketball. Um, he's got there's some good crews out there at, at San Luis Obispo and. Um, he got his his rec team got asked to come up to the big stadium to play with the big boys. Well, they just watched them play. They were just watching them play, and they were like, "You boys, you need come to come up here and play with us, play with the big big league." And he's doing it now. So um, I, I don't know how much basketball is going on now because they had they reinstated their mask mandate, so you oh, can't be inside. Really? You can't be inside. This I don't think. Um, I don't even know if it's still. I don't know the status of the okay. rule now, okay. but he was not playing indoors because of the mask. Nice rule. Yeah. So, I don't That's know what. Interesting. So tell me, what do you do now? What, do you, what are you doing? Where, where are you <laughs> at this point in life, in your life, outside of touring Hokkaido with two other buddies? Um, so I, I need to tell a little bit of a story sure um, first. Um, my wife and I enjoyed our time in Santa Cruz together. And we had our first, we had our first child, Grace, in Santa Cruz, and my wife is very smart. She's very astute. She said to me, "She goes, you're really good at what you do. You hate the product." She was, she was dead on. She was dead right. When I got out of work, I didn't want to talk about software. I could care less, right? It was all airplanes and motorbikes, and we were we were doing high powered rockets at the time. We were doing all kinds of like stupid inane stuff, um, but none of it was software. And she said, "Look, she goes, you know, we're we're starting to have, we're starting to build our family. Santa Cruz at the time, and I don't know that it's gotten any better, but I could be wrong. Um, Santa Cruz at the time was was starting to be a hub of drugs and violence. Um, there were shootings not far from our house." Um, we were, we were living in, in downtown Santa Cruz proper, and it just wasn't a, I couldn't see raising a family there. It was fun to play in your 20s, right? But I didn't want to raise my children there. So my family's from West Hartford, Connecticut. Her family's from West Hartford, Connecticut. It became very easy to pull the plug on our California mm -hmm. experience and move to Connecticut. Um, I'd always wanted to be an engineer. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to do in Connecticut, but we had done okay in, in Santa Cruz. So we just, and, and my wife's parents had a very large house. So we lived in, in, in the, the little apartment thing over the garage. Um, when we you know, pulled the plug on California, we were there for like six months. We moved in in July. We bought our first house that December um, in Connecticut. 
So we lived with them until we kind of got our feet on the ground and, and figured has out. Brothers and sisters. She has two brothers. Older, she, younger. One older, one younger. Okay. And I think Brad is. Gosh, I want to say he's nine years older than her, and Tyler seven years younger. So she was on so the So each of them, each of them were only children. Only children. <laughs> and love them all dearly. They're all yeah. awesome. Um, but you know, trying to figure out what are you going to do in, in Hartford, Connecticut. Right. DataViz was in Bridgeport, and DataViz found out I was leaving Aladdin and moving to Connecticut, and they reached out to me and said, you need to come work for us. And that's more software. And it's Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is an hour away from Hartford. Um, and if I'm leaving Santa Cruz, I'm not moving to Bridgeport to do more software, right? Like, I'm moving to West Hartford because we wanted to be with our family. Um, so we move in with her parents. I'm trying to figure out what to do. We're trying to find a house. Um, I went to an open house at Oxford Airport um, in Connecticut, and I met with a team there, had an interview, and I decided that I was going to manage Oxford Airport. They, they had an opening. I was going to manage the airport. I was going to fly. I was going to do all my pilot stuff. I was going to see what happened, right? I was going to see what happened on the field. And I will never forget, <laughs> it was cocktail hour. At, at Ledyard Road at my in-laws house and I walked in from being out at the airport all day long and I proudly announced to everybody that I was going to be the, be the manager of Oxford Airport. And my wife <laughs> almost flippantly said, oh, that's sweet, no you're not. You're gonna go, you're gonna go back to school, get your engineering degree and go work for Pratt & Whitney. <laughs> and I looked at her and I'm like, what a brilliant idea. Like, how did that not even come across my mind? How did I not even figure that out? So I started going to school again to get my engineering degree that I started way back when at Penn State. And thank goodness I started when I did. I think I had like one semester left before they wouldn't take any of those courses anymore. Yes. Yes. So I got to bring in all these courses from, Penn, from my Penn State days to UConn. And the, the engineering team at UConn is Fabulous, absolutely fabulous. I got to do things that I never thought I'd be able to do. Um, so I got my undergrad at, at UConn, worked some odd jobs until I got an internship at Pratt & Whitney. Pratt & Whitney paid me to finish my undergraduate degree, got hired in engineering. They'd already hired you then? Well, I was, I was as an intern, okay. and then I got a job. They, they didn't want me to leave. They were like, um, so, so I, got, I, I got a job at the Engine Center in Middletown, Connecticut and it was like one of the happiest days of my life. Um, and they, they paid for my finishing my undergrad degree. They paid me to get my master's degree in engineering. And they've given us the life that we have today. And it's all because of my wife. I would not be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't she for her. Yeah, she wasn't she, too. She's the, she is the most influential person in my, in my life. Beautiful. That is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Pratt Whitney UTC okay. kid, but yeah. but um, so anyways, um, Raytheon is now the the name. Yeah. Chris works for Raytheon Missiles and Defense, mm -hmm. so he's I here. How you it. It, was so, it was so similar. He's here in Tokyo, goodness. and we have Jessica Yam of Singapore, who's government relations for RTX, to thank for bringing Chris and I together. Mm -hmm. um, working in Japan. 
we are kind of isolated in the work that we do. Mm -hmm. I'm in the factories, I'm on the road a lot, I'm, I'm visiting, I'm on the shop floor, I'm talking to you know, other engineers, I'm, I'm out doing things. And with the COVID lockdown, we were not allowed into our offices. So there wasn't a lot of office interaction with others, right? You're kind of kind of a little isolated, right? Um, but Jessica Yam got us all together. She wanted to she wanted to come out of COVID and reintroduce Raytheon. You know, the merger happened and we didn't get to go talk to many people. Um, she wanted to reintroduce Raytheon to Japan. So she came up and she kind of got everybody together. And you start to meet other people in other divisions. That's how I met Chris. And you start to realize the the amount of business opportunities that we have. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really good of her to do. We're continuing to have like, you know, those types of interactions, and and that's how I bumped into Chris. Wow. And you know, one motorcycle guy to another motorcycle guy. It doesn't take long to figure out that someone's got two wheels. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Wow. So that's where you are today. Tell me now. Let's go into one more tangent before we start to end this podcast. What part of the trip did you enjoy the most? Uh, um, when the wheels were on the road. All that, and <laughs> all, as we did, we kept all them on it. the wheels. All of it. Um, wheels, yeah. You guys were very patient with me. Thank you very much. You know, what, what did you do? That you let, you let me pick all the twisty roads. No, you set up everything. You did the whole thing. And <laughs> no, I enjoyed that. Because I, told, I thought for Chris, that'd be good practice for him. Yeah. And to tell the truth, it's great practice for me because my big bike. And me coming around those corners and stuff, it came. It became really easy, and I know what to do, but not on a bike as big as that. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit harder, and that bike doesn't like to lean as easily. You need to upgrade to the new one. Yeah, I'm going to. I know. That new one is point I know and it does. shoot. I've written it. I've written it. Oh my god, it's so much fun. It's, it's balanced differently. I rode the one from Kichijoji, mm -hmm. the dealer that's right out now. there. That's right. That's the main dealership. So I rode that one there, and I kid you not, when I opened it up. I giggled inside my helmet, like like as a kid on that YZ250, right? Yeah. Like I was yeah. like, good lord, That's how I felt. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And it's it point is. and shoot, in traffic, it is. It that is. big enormous bike, it was so easy to ride. It is, it is. The only thing I regret is Route 29 turning to gravel. That's right. That, that was like our last day. And that's, that's when you were taking us up there and you planned the routes. All right. And you said, we're going to go up there. And it was the twistiest looking road. It probably still is. Oh, I'm sure it is. It, it was, was gravel. gravel. It was on the side of a cliff. It was along the ridge line. It was. But you, you, but you know something else. You could be correct. It could only have been 100 feet of that. You know, you never know. You never know and what then that's going to be. It could have been asphalt going on. Yeah. There could have been, it could have been littered with, you know, it could have been gravel the whole way. It could, it could have, have been, been littered with gravel sections right, and pavement right. sections. That's it could right. have been, you'd have to, it'd be great, like, Chris had the bike for it, an adventure he bike. He did, he actually did. It'd be great to go do that on an adventure bike and learn what the road is, right? That's right. Um, but I just, it, you know, if you just no, I I wasn't gonna paved go. it one side to the other, <laughs> I wasn't gonna go. and, and you made it one way so <laughs> no cars could come at you, right? And then just let you, just turn you loose. Um, that's really what I was looking for, but, uh, but you were you were tearing those corners up. I think you made a lot of them straight. Uh, <laughs> it's just so much you're fun. For it. Like it just yeah, like no. I'm not fast. I learned I learned that I'm not a fast rider, but I love riding. Okay. How much longer do you think you're going to be in Japan? Do you know? Uh, we are negotiating a contract right now, a three year extension. So we'll see how that goes. You like it here. We do. Tokyo is a Tokyo is a wonderful city. And then we, that leads into my next question: What do you consider a good life in Japan to be? 
A good life in Japan? Life. Is in any life in Japan. Okay. I think the uh, the culture is is um, and the culture puts the people first. Like everybody else is first. Once everyone else is taken care of, then I can take care of myself. It's a very kind of outward facing kind of society. So genuinely people are looking out for each other, right? Kids can, you know, at, at you know third grade can take the subway to school by themselves with their little bucket hats on and little backpacks and food is, food is excellent. Food is, it, it can be expensive if you go to expensive restaurants, but it doesn't have, have to be. Um, the roads are great. Yeah, they are great. That's something that people don't tell me. When I left California, I sold my last motorbike. Um, got to Connecticut. Connecticut's a horrible place to have a motorcycle. And we were having kids, and I was trying to restart my career, my second career. There was no time for motorcycles. We moved to Singapore, and Singapore, driving in Singapore is like um, Mario Kart. Like banana, 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 mushroom, mushroom, bang, 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 spin. Um, Singapore's really kind of crazy for driving, so my wife forbade me from, from getting a motorcycle. Um, my best friend in the world, Jamie, I met in Singapore, um, he has a Thruxton, which is what I fell in love with. It's a 2006, and he let me ride it from time to time in Singapore, um, which was very nice of him. He didn't have to, but he let me ride it, and that's where I fell in love with the Thruxton. When we came to Japan, unprompted, on our look-see, in the back of the realtor's car as we're driving through the city, unprompted, my wife said to me, you can get a motorcycle in Japan. Just from watching, like the light See, turns green, and people, wait, and people and like look go. to make sure other people aren't coming and then they go and nobody beeps at anybody and you put your blinker on and people slow down and let you in. And I mean, it's a very cautious, very calm, very easy existence on the road. And my wife said, you can get a motorbike. Japan, so I did. Fantastic, Peter. Look, I want to thank you. Thank you, Lance. For taking the time. Thank you here. for coming on that on that trip. With no, us. no, thank you Are for you setting me. You set that up, and so that made it all fun. work. So much fun. That made it all work. Ple really pleasure getting to know you. Same here. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. And remember, it's all unknown, so continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed.